0: Travis Maloney, the fellow that you saw there, some of you know, he lives up in the Green Bay area. Um, he is transitioning. We, we have hired him to go full-time in January as our operations manager, Judd Wickwire. Uh, we just, uh, uh, he was our chief pilot in Guyana for many years. He's our director of operations, and he's our vice president in Canada operations as well. We're looking to make uh, Judd as our uh, operations uh, vice president. So uh, we are moving forward into the future with great structure um, and I appreciate what they said. We, uh, you know, we try very, very hard to be fiduciarily responsible. Um, not a penny goes to waste in Adventist World Aviation. The struggle that our pilots face within the field is, and it's very dangerous, we do need to get that, uh, that aircraft back in the field. Um, it's very dangerous, and, and Bradley Church is here with us. Uh, he's uh, spent some time uh, in Guyana in our project there, so Bradley, thank you. He's actually, I think you've turned a wrench or two on that aircraft, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, that was at a time when we had two aircraft in the field, Uh, and especially in Guyana. If you take a look at some of the videos that uh, our missionaries fly over, uh, they affectionately call it flying over the broccoli uh, because that's what it looks like from the air. It's just uh, solid trees, and it just you wonder, where would you put this thing down if you had an emergency? Um, You know, you have an option. You have a river, which uh, a fixed-gear aircraft is not a good option uh, or you have the the broccoli or the trees, um, which isn't the best of options. But uh, you know, so the th- the thinking is is let's put it down uh, in the trees as close to a river as we possibly can because that's the road system in Guyana, and so uh, our pilots they risk their lives on a daily basis. Now add to that the stress that they are are worried about our funding uh, because we are not uh, heavily funded by the church. Now the church will pass on your donations if you clearly. Mark your donation. Adventist World Aviation. We are not Adventist World Radio. Uh, there have been some cross-pollination misunderstandings. Radio, uh, yes, they go over the airwaves, <laughs> but it's not quite the same. Um, Adventist World Radio is a different institution, although we do work together. Uh, we do help them, and we, uh, they help us from time to time. But Adventist World Aviation, make a clear circle on your, uh, your donation if you do that locally. Uh, the other way you can do it, now we've given you a, an envelope that mails directly to our office, um, so I hope you will pray about the help refurbishment of that aircraft. Um, in, your, in your Airways magazine, um, there should be a listed amount, and some, some have asked, why is the cost to refurbish so high? Um, that embeds into the cost. It's not just the refurbishment of the aircraft, but see, we're trying to raise $135,000 for that 206 that you saw on the screen, and is it going to cost 135000 We get these calls all the time. Hey, I'm a mechanic, I'm a pilot, I'm a this, I'm a that. It doesn't cost that much. I can get it refurbished much cheaper. Well, can you get it refurbished? Can you get it delivered? Can you get the excise taxes? Can you get everything else that we need to do, all the administration that's involved with it, get it refurbished for that? And by the time they do the numbers, they come back to us and they say, no, actually, um, you know, And I challenge them, to, challenge them to do so. They say, no, it's uh, we're probably about 20% higher than what we can get. How are you doing it so cheap? Well, we're doing it as cheap as we possibly can because a lot of our labor is volunteer. So when you take an engine that costs about $40,000 to uh, refurbish uh, from top to bottom, that's from pickup to delivery, um, it, it becomes very expensive. Then you got to get it to the country it's going to. you got to get it back and forth. So it includes... The journey back and forth, and the extra taxes, and the labors and the you know the incidentals, the you know the flight uh, time for the uh, pilots to fly it back and forth, the hotel stays—it just that's a complete refurbishment delivered from point A to point B. So um, it is very responsible, um, you know, to have the whole thing done. Uh, we just had a situation. We we have an airplane that's down right now. It's being repaired. Um, the spinner cracked, David. Um, you know what's. What's the, I think, you know, Nick had been talking to you, uh, a normal cost for repair for a spinner is how much, roughly? Yeah, a couple thousand maybe, you know. What what would cost maybe, you know, maybe 500 or 1,000, whatever, yeah, 500 maybe. Uh, it, it's going to cost us a couple thousand by the time we send a pilot uh, or, a, you know, uh, the mechanic down there. We've got to pay for a mechanic to go down there. Um you know, so it just, you know, I'm not a mechanic, nor do I play one on TV, so I, I reference, you know, but it's just the idea is it's double to triple sometimes when you're dealing with aircraft in the mission field. So we desperately need your help. We, we're we trying to raise $5,000 to cover the costs um, of that spinner that broke just recently, and and that's the little pointy thing that goes in front of the aircraft. We even checked to see if we could fly without it. A lot of aircraft, it's okay to fly without it, but there's a special allowance Uh, Because we have a special engine in that aircraft, it was what's called STC'd with that spinner included, so we can't legally fly it without the spinner. So, you know, like, oh boy, we're grounded. So there our pilots are, they're worried about how are they going to get out of the town that they're in. Well, fortunately, there there are other missionaries there, but we can't always depend on that if we have the second plane in the field of course then we just call and say hey listen i'm struck i'm stuck here come get me or bring me the parts or whatever so we need two planes in the field desperately so you know the good news is is the lord is uh, jesus is coming again and and uh, he's going to provide all the needs and the uh the good news the needs could be provided right here this morning uh so all i would ask that you do is reach into your pocket throw the uh, needs into that envelope and we'll have our problem solved um, but it's just a matter of you actually doing that. It's assumed always that, uh, oh, somebody else takes care of it. There's, there's philanthropic uh, givers that just give to us. Honestly, we survive on widow's mites. Um, we really do. Uh, the sweet little old ladies that are uh, sitting at home, they write us a check for 5 and 10 and $20. That's how we survive. We don't have as many huge givers as you would think, and as I said before, uh, the church doesn't. So we depend upon your generosity. Will you please help us to do more? Will you pray about that? So my commercial is done. I appreciate you allowing me to um, uh, to do that. And um, I see the hospital is calling me here. I will let them leave a message. Um, so that was good. They're calling me with extra good news, I hope, anyway. So um, we are living in an interesting time. What time am I done? I see you've got that huge clock up there. And I'm assuming it was because you probably had at one time a long-winded preacher or two, and that's a, a large reminder to him that, what, you leave at 12? Is that the idea? I can preach as long as I want, but you're getting out of here at 12? Is, is that... Yeah, okay. I'll see if I can cram 25 minutes into 15. I'll see what I can do. Have you watched the news lately? Are you bewildered? You know, I've been preaching this message in this church since the early 90s. And uh, one last thing I will say about aviation, although I may, maybe not, I believe with all my heart that the message will go to the last person that needs to hear about this. There are so many people that have never heard about Jesus and His second coming that need to hear about it before Jesus can come. Otherwise, it's not fair. Now, the devil is the one that makes life unfair. Would you agree? Jesus makes it fair. He wants every single human, every one of us homo sapiens that can draw oxygen, he wants every one of us to be able to have that choice, choose you this day whom you will serve. Amen? And without that choice, it's not fair. And I believe that the last person that will be reached will be reached by methods of aviation because we reach the seemingly unreachable. And without those aircraft going into these countries where we save lives, one quick story of a life that we saved just recently. There was a fellow. His name was Sam. Sam didn't like us. He was told that we were Jehovah's Witness by another name, but he didn't care because he wasn't Christian to begin with. He was brought up in an animistic belief structure where his life was... I didn't even recognize you there, Todd. You you clean up nice, man. (laughs) Animistic belief structure. I baptized this man and his son a couple years ago, a lot of years ago. He's now a pilot. Can you say amen to that? Anyway... The animistic belief structures, they'll pray to a wooden post. They'll pray to a, you know, a, a, some star in heaven. They'll have a lucky charm that they wear around their neck. And then someone comes along and converts these people into and, and some sort of pseudo or fake Christianity. And, and they believe this, but yet they still hold on to their superstitions. Bradley Church, you had a, had an opportunity to see some of those people right in Guyana. They kind of mix that hybrid spiritual, spiritualism, you know, Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, stuff all into one bundle. He didn't like us, and he was bound and determined to undermine everything that we did. And he would steal from us. He would, you know, there's nothing to do in South America but talk. They don't have really TV per se, and if they do have it, you know, it's they're very wealthy that have it. They they don't have a lot. They got the internet sometimes, but some most most of the time not. So they they all they do is talk and they share this ridiculous theology amongst each other and gossip a lot. There's a lot of gossip that goes on there. This guy was doing everything he could possibly do to undermine everything that we did there to help and save their lives. He didn't believe that we were there on an angel mercy flight. He knew we had another agenda. Now, we don't go in to areas like Guyana, especially because of the... um, you know, the intensity that goes on there with uh, religion. And you remember back in the 70s with Jim Jones, they remember that vividly. And so we, we go in there with Jesus' methodology of evangelism, which is heal the sick. That's what we do. Our nurse practitioners, our nurses, and our pilots, they're cross-trained medically. They go in there and they heal the sick. And we wait for them to come to us and say, well, why do you do this? And we simply say, because Jesus loves you. They want to learn more. So we open up Bible studies, we've planted churches, we, we baptize souls for Jesus' kingdom as a result of using Jesus' methodology of healing and evangelism. Can you say amen to that? Well, Sam got hit. He was bleeding profusely, losing all of his blood. He needed our services. This man who was bound and determined to take us down suddenly found himself on the need of the receiving end of Adventist World Aviation Wings for Humanity Aircraft, flying him out of there. So we flew him out of there. And his family and his friends that knew how much there was this animosity against us wondered, why would we do such a nice thing? Answer's the same. Doesn't matter if you hate us or not. Jesus loves you, amen? He's now a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The name has been changed to protect the innocent, but you get the idea. This happens all the time. Jesus is coming again soon. Now, they didn't know about Matthew 24. They don't know. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 24, what's it say? There will be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famines and and all this junk that's going on. And then he says, what's he say? We read it there. Let me, let's open up our Bible. I got to get up back up here. Sorry. I like being down there with you. So let's go to our Bible. Go to Matthew 24. Don't you love thumbprint activation? I have my NIV, the new iPad or iPhone version Bible here. I thought that was hilarious. You can Verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. Matthew 24. All these things are what? The beginning of sorrows. I've been preaching this since the early 90s. And I was convinced in the 90s before the year 2000 would hit that Jesus would come. But here we are, 2015, some 15 years after the year 2000. And I realized back then, as I look today, and I look back in retrospect and I go, Oh, wow, I miss the peace of the 90s. How about you? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father, I have less than 10 minutes to get this done. Bless these, the ears of the listener, that they can go high speed and catch your message. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you. Amen. The stuff that's on the news today is absolutely bewildering. I'll give you something light first. Now, I'm not going to jump on one side of the fence or the other, but I found it entertaining when I turned on the news and there was these protesters out in front of McDonald's. $15 minimum wage, $15 minimum wage, $15 minimum wage. And the interviewer went up to one of the protesters and said, so you want the minimum wage raised to $15 an hour? Well, now that sounds great on the surface, but there's always unintended consequences by making new laws and enforcing things and increasing things by trying to manipulate society as government. We think, oh, there should be a law, right? There should be a law. Everybody likes to say, oh, there should be a law. Well, there is. There's 10 of them. Can you imagine what kind of a society we would live in if we would follow 10 laws? I I wore my tie today. It exemplifies the 10 laws. In 297 words, it covers everything. Can you imagine? In fact, if you subtract the godly laws from the 297... I'm going to have to do this. Somebody do the math while I'm working on this. Uh, You know, there are four laws that are directed directly towards God. You know the first four. We like the fourth one. We talk about that a lot probably talk about that a little too much to, and to, to outsiders. That's the first thing we tell them. You know, no, you've got to keep the Sabbath. If you don't keep the Sabbath, you're going to hell. Right? Non-Sabbath keeper, you? You worship Satan on Sunday. No, I don't. I didn't know about the Sabbath. What are you talking about? You're nuts. But we did. <laughs> now, how many went to GC? None of you? Oh, my goodness, we were down there for that whole 10 days of torture. <laughs> wow. The people on the outside of the periphery, the little bumblebees of Seventh-day Adventism wanting to sting every Adventist that comes in. You don't dress right. You don't look right. You should reform this. You should. No, great. You know, Reformation is a wonderful thing. But, boy, they they want more rules. Ten gets the job done. Just ten. And if you follow the first one, the fourth one becomes natural. You know, love God, right? If you love God, that's what Jesus was trying to say. What's the first and great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might and, and, you know, all will be well. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. These two hinge all the laws and the commandments. So if you love God, well, taking his name in vain is not really an issue with you, is it? If you love God, you know, not, you know, not, not, uh, 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 you know, having another God or an idol is an issue for you, is it? You don't want to worship anybody else. You want to worship our, our Savior. And, and when do you do it? Well, seven days a week. I hope, I hope you're not seventh day Adventists. Amen? So the idea of worship God is, is embraced into that Jesus law that he said, and the Sabbath becomes so natural because this is the day he set aside. Let's celebrate life together. Let's not make it about a, 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 a about don't eat this, don't eat that. The Sabbath is a day of celebration. Man, feast on the Sabbath day. Don't fast. Amen. It's a day of joy. A day of, a day of revelation that, that He is our life giver. That's the whole idea. And if you love your neighbor, where's your neighborhood begin with? With my mom and my dad. Are you with me? So I worry about my mom because that's the beginning of my neighborhood. And everything else flows downhill from there. And so if you take a look at the commandments in that chiastic structure, you have one, two, three, four, and then you have ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. And on, on, the fourth and the fifth is, is honor your mom and dad. And on the fourth is, is remember the Sabbath day. It's all about the life givers in your life. Are you with me? And everything else flows from there. And if you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from them. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to tell lies about them. If you love your God, you're not going to break the Sabbath. You don't want to. Amen? And that's where it all flows from, that beautiful structure we call the Ten Commandments. But yet today, there are over 41,627 laws that are on the books. Do you know that every single day, on average, every citizen in the United States breaks a little over three to 400 laws per day if you get out aside side of your bed? You go out and drive in the traffic. You've probably broke 15 or 20 laws right there like that. You interact with people. Don't do it in New York. In New York City, if you ride an elevator and you open your mouth, you're breaking the law. There's a the law in the books. When riding an elevator, you are to look forward with your hands to your side, not saying a word until you reach your floor, whereupon you may say goodbye. <laughs> you think I'm nuts? There's, it's an act of law. I don't know how often people go to jail for breaking that law. Did you know that in <coughs> if your dog protects you against a, 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 a bear or a cougar, you've broke the law? Did you know that in the state of Wisconsin, if you don't have butter on your table in restaurants, if you have a restaurant, that it's, you've broken the law? Dairy butter. You can't have margarine there. Do you know that it's a required law to have cream on the table as well? Well, you can kind of understand why. I think it's Maryland. It's if, you, if your wife is going to drive your car down Main Street, you must walk in front of her with a flag proclaiming, woman driver! <laughs> now, some of the laws are archa- archaic, but there are 41,267 laws and growing. You're gonna saw, you know what? So the minimum wage, you wonder if I get back to that. So this interviewer goes up to the minimum wage dude, and he says, 15 bucks an hour, and he goes, yeah, 15 bucks an hour. He says, well, that's that's nice. It's going to increase everybody's, we'll have more spending money, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to have more spending money. We'll be able to buy things we couldn't normally afford. Yeah, maybe for a few minutes. But have you ever not seen inflation, the interviewer said? Now, again, I'm not going to politicize this because you can figure out on your own where you stand on it. So I'm just repeating what the, you know, the interviewer says. Have you have you not realized that with, with the increase of wages, the price of goods and services go up exponentially? In fact, typically what happens, and he shows them a bar chart, typically what happens, price of goods and services exceed that of minimum wage beyond that, and you'll have less discretionary money. I mean, it's all about money spending, right? But they're all, everybody's in favor of it. And he says, he says, yeah, I'm in favor of it. Yeah, that's right. I don't believe that. He says, well, how do you feel about about paying $15 for a happy meal? And the guy goes, yeah, wait, what? As Adventists, we look at what's going around us and we support some of these things. You know, the biggest thing at at GC was the women's ordination. And I'm not going to go there, one side or the other, because people get all excited about that. I asked a brother, though, he, he's he worked with us in fact he did part of our milwaukee storm sweetheart of a brother he's been working in the ministry for about 10 years now they haven't ordained him yet and i said man I'm still pastoring and they haven't you know they haven't ordained you yet and my partner was sta- elder de was standing next to me he said well tell him you're not a woman <laughs> yeah well that's, sorry that fell flat <laughs> I, you know again i why do we fight over these things that really I mean just I mean even elder elder uh, uh Ted Wilson I met him talked to him at length I knew him down in Florida we spent some time together I know elder Wilson and we talked about that thing and he, and I just I said I I don't I'm I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag which side of the fence I am on whether should ordain or not ordain I just wished we would get the work done I I just want to get the work done I want to go home. I am sick of living with you all. (laughs) I just want to go home. I'm tired of bickering. I'm tired of trying to make laws, not make laws, enforce laws, not enforce laws. I just want people to know about Jesus. And the laws that are on the books today don't solve the problems. They create more. Every law that we put on the books today have unintended consequences that go beyond measure. What are some of the other ones? Gay and lesbian marriage. Oh, let's be for it. Let's be against it. Transgender issues. You know, I'll give it another year, maybe two. I'll be able to, I won't be able to say just what I just said. Even as benign as it was. Because you're not allowed to even say the speech now anymore without people saying, you know, well, that was, that was hate speech. The United States of America is trying to squelch us into hate speech. The politically correct crowd is going over the top. Wouldn't you agree? They're over the top. As a pastor, as a minister, as a gospel spreader, I'm not allowed to say anything against this anymore because it's the law of the land. They've had that law in Canada for some time. I still have that freedom, but they're arguing whether I should be able to keep that freedom or not. Now, you don't have to go very deep into the book of Romans to figure out, wait a minute, this is wrong And this is exactly what happened to Rome. If you take a look back in Rome, before Rome's fall, one of the things that they embraced was the gay and lesbian uh, culture. The next thing that followed naturally in that parade of sin was pedophilia. Now, if being married to another man, if I'm a man, is okay, and another woman to another woman, then what's wrong if I marry a 12-year-old? I love my 12-year-old. What's wrong if I marry my daughter? If she's a consenting adult, that's the argument. Two consenting adults, well, then what's wrong with incestuous relationships? What's wrong with me marrying my dog, for crying out loud? In England, there's a woman that challenged it. She wanted to marry her dog. She married her dog. The unintended consequences of the laws that we levy upon our people in the name of freedom choke us. I had a fellow that hated me for years because I spoke against the sin of these things. Jesus talked about it. Let me give you some verses because I'm out of time. Let me pull it up on my... Let's pull it up on this one. I had it right in front of me. Write these verses now. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing. Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. God give you the spirit of wisdom. God gives you the spirit of wisdom. If you're listening, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 3. My people go into exile for lack of knowledge. John chapter 8, verse 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. Luke chapter 11 verse 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, sharper than any two-edged sword. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, if you're writing them down, you gotta do it quickly. Born of God, who, he who is born of God will overcome the world. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 2 through 3, grace and peace multiplied in knowing God. Revelation chapter 22, he who hears the words in this book, there's a blessing for them. The stuff that's going on, the the abortion issue that just come uh, come to life. Doctor talking about crunching babies. It's nothing. I I miss the nineties. I never thought I would say it. I miss the safety of the nineties. Jesus says this is the beginning of trouble. I got. I, I'm going to read a closing verse here to you. Turn with me in your Bible to Second Peter chapter three. I'm sorry, Second Timothy. What did I say, Second Peter? Yeah, sorry. Second Timothy chapter three. Know this. Paul is telling Timothy, know this also. That in the last days, grievous times will be at hand. For men will be self-lovers, money lovers, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Read it with me. Verse 3, it says what? Without natural affection, unyielding, false accusers, without self-control, savage, just recently we had the 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 you know the, the shooting in the, the theater. Savage. This abortionist talking about crunching babies so that they don't disturb the parts. Savage! I'm not making this up. Traitors, reckless, puffed up. Lovers of what? Lovers of pleasure. Rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. You know, I, I think of of, of the the, the uh, Puritans of our society in the secular mindset. What's more important to them? The environment. Now, there's nothing wrong with protecting the environment. I, I, too, want to protect our environment, but that becomes God. Mother Earth is God to them, you see. They have this form of godliness, you know. They want to save the animals. I love I love animals. I'm an animal lover myself. I have a, a wonderful uh, 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 dog, and I have two horses, and you know, we're animal lovers, but my goodness, may that dog or the animal perish for your sake, for kingdom's God's sake. Amen? I mean, if, if my dog had to sacrifice its life in order for my child or my wife to live, the dog's got to go. Not that I would kill the dog, you understand, but there are those who go, that's horrible. How could you say that? You've got to kill the human. Keep the dog. You know, if my dog wants to save my wife's life and jump out in front of a car, God bless Shasta. I love her. She's a sweetheart. She's a golden retriever. Best dog in the world. I bathe her and vacuum her once a week. How many vacuum your dog? (laughs) If you have a golden retriever, you'll learn to do it when they're puppies because then they're no problem after that. They're not freaked out by it. Trust me, it works. She loves it now. You ask my office staff, my dog comes to me to work and it doesn't smell because I take good care. I love my dog. You understand what I'm saying. But people have a form of godliness, but they miss the whole point. You know it's amazing how careful you have. You have to qualify everything you say now. Having a form of godliness, denying the power, denying the power of it, even turning away for, into the house for the lead into captivity. Uh, silly women loaded with sins, led away with different kinds of lusts, ever learning and never, never able to come to the full knowledge of the truth. You read Matthew 24, you read Second Timothy chapter 3, and you say, wow, we are here. Now, Jesus and Sister White talks about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the latter rain. And I believe we're beginning to see the latter rain, especially as I looked at this GC session. I thought to myself, Lord Jesus, if you don't pour out your latter rain soon, we're in big trouble. Because I'm watching this church and it scares me. Because we too are getting caught up in political free speech. And political speak and political yah yah. We're getting way, way too involved. Even some of our leaders are entering into the political arena. And I'm going to stop there. I met him. He did a service for us out in uh, Ben. Well, I'll even say Ben Carson. Love him. He was the sweetheart of a man. He and I had lunch together out in uh, uh, in Arizona. But I asked him, "Are you comfortable doing what you're going to do?" He feels led. Okay, praise the Lord. If he, I mean, if he gets the nomination, I'll, I'll vote. I told him I'll vote for him if he get the nomination. I'm not going to posture myself in that direction. I mean, how can you not? But, you know, we need godly men in our, in our White House. Amen? You know, but I don't envy. I, I kind of, secretly, I kind of hope he doesn't win the nomination because what a miserable thing that would, oh, my goodness. What's that going to do? You know, I'm an eschatologist, and I just, you know, it scares me. Because, you know, it used to be so clean and clear back in the 90s. I couldn't tell you which way the wind is blowing now. Do you? It's scary. But I do know, just look up. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us enough to give us the wisdom to know the seasons are upon us. Father, we can see that Jesus is coming again. Father, cleanse us, us, heal us, enshrine us, empower us, help us. Help us to help you do even more. We recognize, Father, before you can come, every last human being needs to hear the love, the tenderness, and the care of Jesus. We lay our lives into Your hands. Bless us now with health, with empowerment. Help us not to be distracted by the many things that are going on and help us to uninvolve ourselves with worldly things and involve ourselves with heavenly things. In Jesus' precious and blessed name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen." Thank you for putting up with me today. I hope it was a blessing to you and uh, I hope you will pray. Take those envelopes that you have, um, and uh, we've get, there's an extra envelope in that magazine. If you would take that extra envelope, put a stamp on it, stick it in the mail. Um, with a kind gift, we'd appreciate that. We need your help to be able to spread this gospel message out. Read the magazine, listen to some of the stories of some of the people that we've been able to help, and then uh, pass the magazine on to somebody else. Sign up, Become a member of AWA doesn't cost you a thing. Shirley's been a blessed member for years and been faithfully supporting us. Thank you so much. And I know many of the rest of you have too. I just, I have an affection for, uh, for Shirley because she, I was her pastor. <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you for loving us enough. Uh, help us to remain faithful indeed. Help us to remain faithful even unto the end because we love you and you love us even more. Bless these here. Bless the ears of the listener that they may be touched to reach out and love somebody today is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen.